Okay, hello everybody. How's it going? This is Azrin, the language nerd here. It's nice to see everyone. It's been a little while since I have posted any any videos, and it's been an even longer time since I've done any interviews, whether it's on the podcast. So, hello, podcast people, or mm -hmm. on on YouTube. So, it's been quite some time. But I came across someone on Instagram a few weeks back, and I thought that it would be interesting to interview her because of what she does. And so I'll introduce you all to Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Hello, everyone. How Hi. are you today? Good, thank you. That's good. So why don't you tell us, um, tell us a little bit more about Cantonese mommy. What is, what is that all about? So let me introduce myself a little bit. I am Michelle. I originally from Hong Kong. Um, I'm living in New York City right now. I have two children. Um, one boy, she, uh, he is six years old and a baby girl. She just turned one a few months ago. Yes, I started Cantonese Mommy uh, when my son was about two and a half because I was looking for some, you know, YouTube channels or something. Uh, some resource for me to teach Cantonese and I couldn't find something non-animated because I was looking for something more just really slow paced and um, just like what I was doing on my YouTube channel just reading stories and I couldn't find any so I started my YouTube channel and another reason why I did it because um, I have a cousin, she lives in a non-Chinese speaking country and she doesn't read or write, but she can speak Cantonese because of my aunt. Um, so she also has a son, which is the same age as mine. And we are like trying to teach our children Cantonese. And same thing that um, happens to us, like we couldn't find any resource online that's uh, um, um, free for all. So I was originally just re recording video of me reading story to my, um, to her son and just, and also to her because her Cantonese level is just very basic. And at the end, uh, I was like, why don't I just upload on YouTube and um, share with everybody? Cause I think they might have same um, problem finding the same resource that I'm looking for. So I have a possibly a very basic question, but I'll tell you where it's coming from. So I speak with a, a, a number of parents who have another first language that's not English. So maybe they speak Hindi or Gujarati or Mandarin or Japanese or whatever it is. They speak mm -hmm. another language, they have kids and they want their kids to learn the language that they speak as in their mother mm -hmm. tongue. And they always will say, they will often say things to me like, how do I go about doing it? How can I make sure that my son or my daughter speaks the language that I speak, my first language? And for me, it's always quite, I always view it as reasonably, as a reasonably, at least the starting point is reasonably basic, which is that, well, you need to speak that language in the house. So if you speak Mandarin and you want, or Cantonese in your case, if you want your son or daughter to speak Cantonese in the house, and actually grew up with it well that means that in the house you have to use Cantonese and not not English and a lot of the parents that I interact with 
that that's hard for them. Like for some reason, for one reason or another, they have, it seems to me that they have a hard time computing that and processing that. And what, what is your perspective on that? Um, I think it's the motivation for parents, how strong of a uh, uh, desire to teach your children your language. For me, I have very high expectation. I want my child, uh, my children to speak bilingually. I mean, a true bilingual, which means um, we can read both languages, new newspaper, talk about politics in both languages fluently. When um, you can look for a job in Cantonese or in English without problem, close to native level. I mean, if I could do it, why can't my children do it? They're supposed to be better than we are, right? So, um, and I set up my goal and I do whatever I can to try to reach that goal. I think that's the motivation that I have. And for other parents, I don't know how, um, what are their expectations or how much time and effort they were looking to spend on their children. They may have different um uh, different expectation. Maybe they want their children to play music really well um, instead of talking in their mother tongue. So I think different families have different goals and that's why maybe they put that language goal to be a lower priority. So that's why it's not working for them. But for us, that priority is the yeah. highest. So that's why um, my sons can speak it very fluently. I always wonder though, because in my in my eyes, it's not hard to speak your like when a newborn baby's born and the baby doesn't speak any language, mm-hmm. it's very straightforward for the parent, especially if they, it's their mother tongue, to speak their mother tongue only at home. And yet, I find my theory is that parents are used to if they I live in Canada, if they've been living in Canada for let's say twenty years, they're so used to speaking in English now on a day to day basis that it's they actually feel awkward having to speak their mother tongue at home with, with their baby. I, I wonder if that's what the reason is, at least initially when they're younger, as they get older, there's different challenges that, that arise. So I speak Gujarati, for example, it's a language from India. Um, when I was growing up, my mom was very insistent that I learn it. And so mm-hmm. she would only speak Gujarati in the house. Nursery rhymes were translated to Gujarati. Um, stories were translated to Gujarati. She told my family that you must speak in Gujarati with Azarin. So there is a really strong foundation for the first, let's say, roughly five-ish years, approximately. But then what happens is once you start going to school and you have friends who speak English and you go to school in English, is is your in my in my case, my English vocabulary started to increase, mm-hmm. and my Gujarati vocabulary didn't. And so until I was an adult, as an adult, I went, I chose to re-study Gujarati as an adult. And mm-hmm. so I've, I'm a lot better now. I'm a lot stronger now than I was, let's say, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or even just growing up, for crying out loud. But, um, but all, I suppose what I'm trying to say is I just find it interesting that at least for those first, let's say, three to five years, I always think it's reasonably straightforward for parents just to go at a, on the most basic level, you could just use that language in the house and that won't get them to be able to talk about politics or things like that. Cause that probably won't happen just from that. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, I find a lot of parents that's, uh, they don't have a problem in the first five years. 
like many of them are very eager or at least their mother tongue level is up to kindergarten level. I would say like teaching colors, teaching numbers, teaching shapes is not a problem for them. And I see a lot of parents um, slowly don't know what to do after the kindergarten years when they are kind of not strong enough to speak more than just color and shapes in their mother tongue because English have taken over in the, their learning, uh, in their life, especially um, like our case, um, many of us have, are living in non-Chinese speaking country. They do not know more than like the household language. So, um, so that's why they don't feel comfortable enough talking more than just the baby language. <laughs> What about, are most of the parents you interact with, are they people that are second generation Chinese? I think in U.S. you have like all type of people. You have newly immigrants um, that you are. I think the newly immigrants is that they're so busy with their life, finding a job and kind of like the first generation um, parents that arrive to the new country where you don't have time, even though you have the talents, to speak the language, you don't have enough time to speak um, and teach at home. Therefore, you're not, your, your children is not gonna be as good as you are because they're trying to settle down in a new, new country. They have so much to do. They work 24 hours, right? And the, the second generation and onward, the problem is that they have, they may have a little more time, but they don't have enough foundation to teach. So that's why you have all this Chinese school, you have all this language school to teach the children. And the second and third generation, because their mom arrived to this country, they don't have time to learn more than just the household language. And therefore they just got stuck in the elementary level. And then they don't have interest um, to learn more than the elementary levels of the language. Yeah. Um, interesting. So I'm curious to hear about how you have gone about teaching your kids Cantonese, especially because, um, especially because my personal experience with learning my heritage language is that mm -hmm. it was never explicitly taught. It was just the norm, like from birth, that's mm -hmm. the language that was spoken. It was never taught. Um, now reading and writing was taught. And more mm -hmm. formal things were taught, but the the day to day conversational understanding that was never it was never for me personally it was never taught it was something that it's it all I remember is just all that it's all there was like my grandparents only spoken my mom spoken my aunt spoken my own. I actually didn't know until I was probably eight or nine. There are some people in my family that they're they're they speak Gujarati but not quite as well as English. I used mm -hmm. to have a hard time knowing in my family who spoke English better than Gujarati because I, I'd forget because I was so used to always going to Gujarati. And then I would think, oh, Bunsi doesn't, I don't think he speaks it as well. I'm not sure. And then it took me a while to figure it out. That's how much it was just, that's just how life was. I spoke in Gujarati. So I guess what's, what kind of, first of all, how old are your kids? And second of all, what kind of, how have you gone about, um, uh, teaching them Cantonese? We teach starting at birth. 
So um, basically, when they were in my belly, they have been hearing me talking Cantonese. Um, my old, my first child was um, is he's six years old, and then the little one is sixteen months. So they are five years apart. So the first one, um, and then the thing is, uh, we are in a Cantonese household. My husband also speaks Cantonese, but then he's in elementary net level. He doesn't read or write. And his parents, um, his family all speak Cantonese. So I think that's an uh, advantage for us to maintain the Cantonese speaking at home. I am very strict at home that I, when I hear English, I would say, oh, can you repeat that in Cantonese? Even for my husband, like he would um sleep out, like put your shoes on, you know, speaking English, put your shoes on. I was like, you know, that sentence you can really say in Cantonese. It's not difficult at all. So I make him speak Cantonese again. So he, as a parent, we need to set up an example to reinforce the language, because if I let my husband slip. My son is gonna say more and more English every day. So if he knows, um, I, I make him say it. Also, um, for me, I set up an example that I know more than one languages, and it's an advantage. I want my children to learn just like me. So I'm not the parent that tell my child, tell my children, oh, mommy don't speak English. Um, you only can speak to me in Cantonese. I'm not that case. I want them to be able to speak both fluently. So if he is talking to me about something happening in school in English, it's okay that he tell me the whole story in, in, in English, but he also have to translate back in Cantonese. So I would make sure that he is saying the same story using same level of vocabularies. Um, saying like as is descriptive as his English one, or if his English one is not as well as the Cantonese version, then I would say, oh, maybe you can ask, you know, say your English story like this, uh, adding more vocabularies inside, make it both of them very uh, same level of language level. I see that, that. I think that's really important because um, looking back. Well, not just looking back, but in my personal life, but also just quite a few people that that I know who speak another language because they spoke it at home. What often happens is I alluded to it earlier. They start to go to school and their English starts to improve far great, far faster than than their um, than their heritage language. And I think one reason that happens is when they go to school, they learn, maybe they want to tell some stories or they learn some, they learn something in science class and they thought it's really cool. And they don't mm -hmm. have that vocabulary in the heritage language, but the parents don't, when this, when the son or daughter shares the story, maybe mixing languages or maybe all in English, the parent doesn't stop to teach the vocabulary needed to help them express themselves. Although I have to ask, does your I wonder, does your son get frustrated by that? Does it frustrate him? Um, sometimes it does, but um, uh, sometimes I, I mean, I don't make him to repeat the story all over again. I would just kind of paraphrase it, is that how, like in Cantonese and say, oh, is this how you, uh, is this what's happening at school? 
So I would say it in Cantonese and ask him different questions so that he answered it. And I was like, oh, so this is what happened. Um, so that he listened to me in the Cantonese version. And I, I think in his little brain, he will compare it, right? But another thing is because um, I grew up learning both English and Cantonese at the same time, also bilingually because um, Hong Kong is a bilingual city. So um, um, I, I spent the same amount of time learning English and Cantonese growing up. And that's why I'm very focusing on giving the same amount of time, quality time, learning time for my son as well. There we go. Um, and I was going to ask you too. So one of the things that I believe is important for, for children who are growing up, learning, growing up in one country, such as America, where everyone speaks English, but then also trying to learn another language to a high degree of fluency, not just conversational or not just household language, but really speaking it well. One of the things that I've seen work really well is where they speak to a lot of people in English, but they also speak to a lot of people in their heritage language. So I can give you an example. I know there's one girl in particular that I know, well, she's a woman now, but I knew her when she's really little. I've known her rather. I've, we've, I don't know her that well, but I did go to school with her from a very, very young age. Mm -hmm. And she speaks English perfectly well. And she speaks Spanish basically at the same level. And mm -hmm. yet she's born in Canada. And one of the reasons that she's able to speak both essentially at the same, essentially at the same level, probably exactly the same level, is that growing up, yes, she went to school in Canada. She talked to people in English. She had English friends and so on and so forth. Yes, she spoke in Spanish at home, but she also spoke to Spanish. She also was in, in, involved in, this, in the Latino community in mm -hmm. Calgary. So she had other friends that spoke only Spanish. She went to church in Spanish. She went to you know, she would go to Colombia every year, every two years, whatever it would be for a month during the summertime or something like that. So she had a heavy influence, not just from parents. So parents spoke in, in Spanish, society spoke to her in English, but to supplement her Spanish, parents also found communities in Calgary that were Spanish speaking, also would go to Colombia every year, two years, what regularly, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And so now as an adult, she speaks both English and Spanish, essentially, essentially at the same level. What are your thoughts on having the influence of other people, whether it be extended family or outside the family, to help the children to develop that depth, maybe that depth of fluency, if that's the right word? I think it's very important. And that's um, why I also um, emphasize on finding a learning buddy or play dates. Um, as a parent, you need to find your community, you need to find your friends so that. You, you have like family friends and then the kids also speak the language and you build a relationship with the language, with the community. And so that the, your, your children will have the needs to say it. If they don't find the needs, they would not want to learn it. So let's say I, when starting very young age before COVID, I would take my child to, um, to a Cantonese speaking restaurant every week. Like we go to Chinatown or sometimes just some neighborhood restaurant that like a bubble tea place that where the owners speak Cantonese. 
I would ask them when he was only like two or three, but I would say, oh, say good morning, Joe-san. Uh, say thank you, Doze. Um, so you build up that community sense, hey, there are people around me that also speak it. And later on, the when he as he is getting older, they will have a little more conversation. They're like, oh, how are you doing? Um, do you want some candy? Um, have you had lunch yet? So you build up more like longer sentences. And then maybe like one day when he is older, like in high school, they would talk about politics, right? Oh, have you heard something on the news? Um, you, you build up more vocabulary because with different type of people, especially like if I have family friends, um, they are doing different occupations uh, or they went to different places to travel and then you have different type of conversation. So that's very important. Um, and I very encourage like people who are learning language is to find a learning buddy. So um, my son has a reading group every week. They meet on Zoom every week. Um, I used to host play dates every week at my house before COVID. I asked the kids in my neighborhood, just like two or three families come weekly, have snack, and, and then we read stories and then we do some arts and craft play games. So the children are growing up together, having friends and speaking Cantonese together. So I did and these are all like native Cantonese speaking. They all families. have, yes, they all have families, uh, parents who speak Cantonese fluently. So they were speaking Cantonese at birth, but after COVID, sadly, like two, three families, they have like stopped um, all this meetup and the kids are more, and then they don't have as much time to talk to their children because they're working. Um, and so without the play dates, their Cantonese really just lost it. So it's really sad um, because they're both like um, dual working parents. And other than after work, you have dinner, you have bath time, you really don't have much time to teach your children. Yeah. So building the community is uh, very important. And also I encourage parents to be more actively uh, at school, um, to join the PTA, to let your school know that, hey, uh, my language exists and this is my culture. When you do the, those cultural events, let your children to prepare something to show to your classmates, um, share your festival um, and share your food and then make them be proud of who they are. And that's, that's how the language and the culture ties together. Totally, I agree. Um, what else, maybe there isn't anything else, I'm not sure, but what other kinds of things have you done to help your to help your kids learn Cantonese, speak Cantonese, aside from some of the things that we've mentioned, um, um, we do a lot of reading, and I spend a lot of money buying books because the shipping is really expensive. But I still do um, to read all type of books, not just um, book at his level. Sometimes I read books that. Um, higher than their level. He doesn't have to know every single word, but you just need to like kind of get them listen to different type of vocabularies. Um, I would um, read up myself first. I, I read Chinese book in front of him say, so that you show that, oh, mommy is setting an example. She's reading something. 
um, I mean, she may not know what I'm reading, but then she'll ask like, oh, what are you reading? Um, she, he can pick out some characters. And so reading is a big part in our family. Um, and travel is very important as well. Uh, we used to travel to a lot of Chinese-speaking countries, cities, um, so that in the whole entire month, when you're immersed in the city, like we go back to Hong Kong to visit relatives. Um, so the entire month or two, all he hears, all he speaks is, is Cantonese. So if you can afford to do that, um, that's very helpful. I know that some people that they only do the summer school in the country. Um, let's see, pretty much. I mean, I think a lot of people also like, you know, let them watch movies, um, play games and just whatever you can think of, type your life with the language, I will do it. <laughs> A common, uh, what's the word, comment, a common comment that uh, I get from, from parents will be that, um, especially when they're young, not when they're older, but when they're young, they'll say things like, you know, I want to speak in English at home and not in our mother tongue, even mm -hmm. though they're better in their mother, mother tongue than in English, because they're worried that when they go to school, when the kids go to school, they're not going to speak English or, or that if they speak English, at, I'm sorry, the mother tongue at home, then they go to school in English, they'll get confused. Or what, 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 what do you say to people? I'm not sure if you get that comment at all, but what mm -hmm. would you say to someone who has that kind of, that kind of perspective now that you have a son and soon you'll have two, two sons that speak Cantonese mm -hmm. and English? Uh, one son, uh, one boy, one girl. So, um, well, the reason why English is the international language is because it's so easy to learn, right? Why didn't they pick like Spanish or Chinese to be the international language? So I think um, a lot of people are able to learn it as uh, adults or older in age, uh, later in age, they speak it perfectly without any problems. So what are your worries? You don't really have to start this young. And also you have the community when they step outside of your home, your house, they're already speaking English. So there is nothing to worry about that they don't speak English well enough. But I think it's the develop the sense of um, the love of reading is very important and self-learn. How do you teach your children to learn by themselves, to read by themselves? then it will solve the problem of not being able to catch up in English. Because um, I was in, I love reading at a very young age and my mom bought me a lot of books, um, both English and Chinese. At the very young age, I was reading Chinese level much higher than English. Um, and then um, starting from middle school and high school, I did not learn any Chinese. I stopped because I was uh, already in America. So middle school and high school, I stopped learning Chinese. I stopped um, speaking it as, as much. Um, pretty much I only have one friend that speaks Cantonese in my school. And then um, I only speak to my mom once in a while. Um, the rest of my life in high school was just English. But I already have a very strong foundation in Chinese because I love reading. I was reading like on my own. Um, 
I never learned Chinese history from my school, like elementary school, but I, I learned all my history through reading. So if you can develop them, the, um, teach your children how to read early enough, um, English or any language, I would say, then at the end, if they are interested in any topic they, are, they want, they can just learn it by themselves. You don't have to worry. So that's why I started. Well, the I'm sorry. Go, sorry. Go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry. Oh, that's why my Cantonese mommy's YouTube channel is focused on just reading. Yeah. So your son, can your son read equally well in English and in Cantonese? Um, his English is catching up um, as much as um, his Chinese. So his Chinese reading is, um, is higher than English reading level, but his English reading level jumps very quickly. He started learning English and alphabet when he was four. So I didn't teach him like ABC songs when he, before four. I mean, he, he hears it from his friends, but he doesn't really know what they are. So I left it all to the teacher because the teacher have their own way to teach phonics. And um, I mean, uh, I leave the English part for the teacher up until COVID because he was remotely learning at home that I had to step in to teach him English as well. But before that, um, he speak Cantonese first and then he went to our Mandarin preschool for one year, but just a very part-time, like three hours a day, three times a week, just to get him to learn the school environments. And we don't have a Cantonese um, preschool around here. So just I sent him to Mandarin one. But um, for English, I left it to the teacher. And then he, from these two years, he just can read it equally as well. Yeah. And is his English speaking stronger than his Cantonese? I would assume no. by, no? Chinese is, he reads his Chinese is stronger. I, I mean, I did that purposely. <laughs> So right because now his Mandarin, or his, sorry, Cantonese. his Cantonese is stronger than his, than his English, even spoken. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I know that he's going to stop at a certain age, but once he has built a very strong foundation, um, I'm trying to do what I was. Um, so I stopped learning Chinese at sixth grade. So I would, I probably don't expect him to learn Chinese after sixth grade because middle school and high school in U.S. is quite hectic. You have lots of English material to read and uh, lots of other activities to, to prepare. So, but once he's up to very high level reading level, then I could stop. Yeah. And does he speak any Mandarin at all? He does. How much? So but not as good as Cantonese, I'd assume. So the reading in Mandarin and Cantonese, because yeah. they use the same reading. So reading is the same. Spoken is as good. I would say um, in Cantonese is his first language. Mandarin is second and English is the third. Because um, wow. his English is his third, even though so he's going into grade, he's in grade one right now? Yes, grade one. Wow, even so, even after going through like kindergarten for a year, his Mandarin is still better than his English? Yeah. How did because, that happen? Because I enrolled him to Mandarin class. <laughs> and then I, when I do stories, I read him at home. I try to read Cantonese 
And then when we have a more time, I would do the Mandarin reading as well. And then at last he would read English. So we do very little reading in English. Yeah. So he grew up with primarily Cantonese, but some Mandarin. Mm -hmm. I see. That's so interesting. That's fascinating. That's very, very interesting. So he well, can, like when he is as fluent as um, his Mandarin is almost as same as the Cantonese because the reading is the same. So his vocabulary level um, is the same. Yeah. When he when he reads in uh well let's just say Chinese because it's the same. But does he read? So does he? I'm assuming he reads simple. And um, I'm sorry. I'm assuming he, he reads traditional then. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very. Cool. He reads traditionals and then he read it in Cantonese. And because I buy most of my books from Taiwan, so they have the um pinyin. Um, they don't call pinyin. They call zhuyin. So he can read the Julian. So you can read Julian as well. He can read that. We learn it together. I didn't cool. <laughs> know. I didn't know at first, but we had we just learned it uh, last year. So that because he can read Julian, so that he can read on his own if he wants to learn the Mandarin in the future. But right now he knows the Cantonese reading first. He read everything he see in Cantonese. But then when I want him to read it in Mandarin, he can do it because he knows the Julian. Mm -hmm. I have a funny Julian story. So um, I was telling you before we started recording that I speak Mandarin. Mm -hmm. So I remember uh, when I was first, the, let me think, the first, I want to say maybe four years of learning Mandarin, something like that. The first four years, roughly was all from mainland influences. So all my teachers were from mainland China, all the textbooks I used were from mainland China. I went to me, I went to, to, to mainland China to, to study. I spent three months there, all my influence the mainland China. And then the three years after that, virtually all of my, my influence was from Taiwan. Mm. So um, I went to Taiwan and I, I didn't know that they had Zhuyin, like I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember this one time, and this happened more than once, but this one time in particular, I, I used to go to, I used to volunteer in schools and I would give, I would talk to the kids about Canada. I'd like give, I'd prepare like a presentation. We'd talk about it. And it was like really good Mandarin practice because we do it all in Mandarin. So it was very, very good Mandarin practice for me. And I remember this one time they, they asked me to load up the, the first time they asked me, oh, hey, just put your, um, put your presentation up on the screen. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. So I go to their keyboard and I can't, I can't type. I can't because I, it's all Julian. I was like, and I'm looking at the keyboard. I was like, <laughs> what is this? How do I, I was like, I can't do it. They're like, what do you mean you can't do it? I was like, like what? I don't know how to type this. Like what, what is, I didn't even know what it was. Oh, yeah. um, and then every, I would often yeah. ask people, especially because of the accent is obviously different than what I was used to. So if yes. they would say, uh, let's say they'd say a new word, like, um, I'm thinking of an example. Like, let's say they said, what's a new word I wouldn't have known at that time? Well, let's just take a really simple example. Let's say I didn't know the word, uh, for example. Mm -hmm. Let's say I didn't know that word. And then they, but they might say, right? Because they have their, their, right? Often in Taiwan. So, so often I'd have a hard time figuring out what the characters were and how to write it. So I'd ask them, like, some opinion, and they'd be like, Oh, and they wouldn't know the pinyin. So it's very difficult for me because I, would, I wouldn't know like how to write in pinyin. So I'd have a very difficult time trying to figure out to pronounce it because they might say it as 
like with a s instead of a sh, and、mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. Yeah, and it was very, it was very, it was very difficult initially, and then now it's different. Now almost everyone, most of the people I talk to are from Taiwan nowadays. So now that's my bigger、yeah. influence. But it was it was an interesting learning curve initially. Well, did you end up learning Chinese? I want to. It's on my list of things to do.、Um, It doesn't. I don't really need to use it nowadays because I, I read all. I only do traditional characters nowadays. I don't do simplified because I don't really know anyone that texts me in simplified. The so, reason why I use, uh, I we chose to choose, uh, uh, teach him Zhuyin instead of the Pinyin is because, um, my son didn't know alphabet before, and then there will be a confusion, uh, learning the pronunciation of Pinyin and and the pronunciation of English. So that's why I. Didn't want him to learn the pinyin,、um, and then juin is very just a just a character. So that all the books I have have juin, so it would make much much more sense for me to to teach him juin. And I didn't know at first. I learned Mandarin when I was in my twenties, so I basically learned it from listening and from just talking and and didn't really know. Juin opinion perfectly, yeah. So now I I learned Juin together with him, and then everything, all the pronunciation makes so much more sense. Totally. Well, we can start to wrap up here. Are there any parting things? Any final things you'd like to share? Um, I would like to share, like, tell the parents who wants to teach their children Cantonese or their mother tongue. Is to set a very realistic goal,、um, and once you know your goal, then you have to, and it's an investment. You have to invest your time in it, and then the money in it. So if you spend a lot of time and lots of money in it, you will get very good results for sure. And so if you don't have enough time, then you need to compensate with the money that you spend, like hire a tutor. Hire teachers, and vice versa. If you have more time, then you just teach it yourself, and and don't tell people, oh, I don't know where to start, right? Because it's all you already know it is your mother tongue. All you need to spend is just time and money, then then it will happen. But if you don't have those two at the moment, it's okay. All you need to do is show them your culture and let them be proud of it.、Um, And continue just like taking them to eat Chinese food or Indian food or whatever your culture is.、Um, show them your festival, your history, and let them figure out. Hey, I am, I am a Chinese. I'm a Cantonese, or I'm Japanese, and I will learn it in my future because I'm so proud of who I am. Because I learn, I personally learn a lot of language. I learned Mandarin in my twenties. I learned Korean in my twenties. I learned Japanese when I was in my high school, like middle school and high school year, and I think because of my passion, all this language just comes to me, and I don't have to struggle learning a language because of my passion of learning. So my words to the parents would be: teach your child how to self-learn and learn what they love, and eventually、um, your language will come to you. Cool. Well, it was nice chatting.、Uh, you get everyone listening slash watching can go check out Cantonese Mommy on YouTube, Instagram, anywhere else.
Facebook, Facebook. and my website as well. What's the website? CantoneseMommy.com. Easy. CantoneseMommy.com. Okay. Well, I guess I will see you guys later. Thank you.